Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Adam Plowsing. If you'd like to find out more about the house, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the house app. We're going to be in uh, chapter 3, Joshua chapter 3, verse 7 uh, here. And just to give kind of a little bit of a background for, for where we're at and for Joshua chapter 3, is that you have Moses. So Moses was the guy who led the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt. And so, you know, there is slave for like 400 years, and then Egypt, and Moses goes to Pharaoh says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no, sorry. And But, you know, they go back and forth, they have the 10 plague, and then finally, you know, Pharaoh allows them to go, and then Moses takes the Israelites out, they get trapped at the Red Sea, Pharaoh's armies come, and they're like enclosing around him, God parts the Red Sea, the, Moses leads the Israelites into the wilderness where they wander for like 40 years. I, I just covered a lot of facts right there. Some of you guys probably just like, oh my goodness, that was a lot. That was a lot right there. So what happens is, is because of their disobedience, because of the Israelites' disobedience, is you have Moses that was leading them, but Moses is not able to lead them into the promised land. Instead, he has to hand the reins over to Joshua. And so Joshua, right now in chapter 3, is kind of in this moment where he's received the power. He's you know, now the leader in charge. But he's kind of waiting for what's that first thing you know, that God's going to tell me to do? You know, what's that first thing that God is going to you know, give me instruction and give me leadership of where he wants me to go and what he wants me to do? And so in verse 7 it says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Now, now hold up, hold up real quick. Okay, so just to talk a little bit about the Jordan River. At this point, so it's the harvest season, which means the Jordan River is flooding, like two to three times size its original size. So if this was be like modern day, you know, remember when we had the flooding back in May, this would have been like, you got KNWA news on the scene, you know, like, you know, 4029, you got them out there in their blue raincoats, the pouring rain, you know, they're, they're trying to let everybody know. And in the background, you see like this car floating down the river of like, oh my goodness, like that is a legit flood right now. That's kind of what the Jordan River looks like at this moment. And what is God telling Joshua with your first thing that I'm telling you to do? Hey, go take the priests. The, the holiest people that, that are in the Israelites, and go send them into the river. <laughs> oh, and, and mind you, mind you, that also, hey, hey, also take the Ark of the Covenant with you, which is like the presence of God in the Old Testament, because it contains the Ten Commandments and Aaron's staff. And I want you to go and just, you know, just go right in the river. Let me just tell you, if I was in Joshua's shoes... I've got to be thinking, God, are you kidding me? Like, the first thing that you're calling me to do is, is to step out in faith in this way? Yeah. Well, in verse 14, we'll see why. So when the people set out from their tents to cross the Jordan with the priests, carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and then those who carried the Ark came into the Jordan, and the feet of the priests carrying the Ark were dipped in the edge of the water. For the Jordan overflows all its banks all the days of the harvest. The waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose in one heap. And then in verse 17, it says the entire nation of Israel walked across on dry land. And so how crazy is it, just in, in, in my personal opinion, that the same way that God brought the Israelites out of captivity by parting the Red Sea, 
You know, that Charleston Heston moment of like, you got, you know, like the Ten Commandments. You know, you have the sound of the background. You have the Egyptians closing in around them. And then what does God tell Moses to extend your staff? Extend your staff and we see the Red Sea part and we all, you know, probably, you know, have this visual image in our mind of like what that actually looks like. And how crazy is it now that that's the exact same way that God moves the Israelites into the promised land? I'm just telling you guys, there, there was two and a half million Israelites at this time. So this ain't just like one family just walking through. No, like this, this probably may, realistically may have taken days to move everything through the Jordan River. But that is the power of God. The only catch, though, was, was that the story ain't over. They come into the promised land, but it, the promised land is kind of inhabited with other people. And, and people that are living in, in a lot of sin and a lot of darkness and a lot of evil. And so God has actually brought them into the promised land so that they can actually go and take territory. That they can actually go and actually take hold of the promised land. I don't know about you guys, but there's been some times in my life where I thought I was coming into the promised land. There were some times where I was walking in. I'm like, man, this is going to be good. Like, this is it. Has anyone ever been there where you walk into the promised land and then you realize that once you get there, that all the battles aren't done yet? And you're still going to have to fight a little bit? Anyone ever been there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all, all six of you guys, the rest of you guys clearly, clearly haven't been married yet. Because I'm just going to speak from personal experience here that I have seen that in, I thought that marriage was, you know, this amazing promised land. The land of milk and honey. You know, the land where everything was going to go my way. It was going to be perfect. You know, marriage promised land. It was going to be amazing. The only problem was, was that, you know, I was only 23 years old. So it was a lot less of a finish line and a lot more of a starting line because I still had a lot more years to live. That I still had some battles that I had to work through. I still had some flesh that I had to fight through. There were still some things I was going to have to figure out in my life. And so because of that, let me just tell you that the promised land is still going to have trials. There's still going to be struggles that we're going to have to work through. All the problems don't just disappear because you enter into the promised land. Because you have that breakthrough moment. Now, trials fall on both the just and the unjust. See, check this out. The Israelites had breakthrough. But the breakthrough was actually what was going to lead them into the battle that was laying before them. Why? Because that was actually what, they were, what God was using to prepare them for the battle. And... You know, it was you know it was just this little city that kind of laid ahead of them. Okay, little city is an exaggeration. It was actually a heavy, heavily fortified city called Jericho, and Jericho sat on top of a hill and it didn't just have one wall, but it actually had two walls. It had an outer wall that was six feet thick, and actually this is one of the first uh, documentations of an ancient city that actually used a. Uh, a wall as a way to fortify the city. And so there's basically no way that the Israelites are going to be able to penetrate this, this amazing fortress of a city in Jericho. But the truth is that with every breakthrough, there's going to be doubts. The Jericho, the Jericho was what God was calling them to go into. And so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter you know, who you are. It doesn't matter where you came from, your background, your past. It doesn't matter if you're a 369 on the Enneagram. It doesn't matter who you are, that you're going to have battles. You're going to have struggles. And, and that's why we have to start beginning to look at battles as not necessarily a sign of disobedience, but as a, as a rational part of life. And so just realistically, you know, in a room this large, 
There's different things that, that we've had to walk through. There's different things that we've had to work through. And a lot of those things, maybe you didn't feel like you deserved. Truthfully, maybe you didn't deserve them. Maybe, maybe it was a history of, of broken relationships. Maybe it was, it was generations of alcoholism or addiction. Maybe it was, you know, your family's been labeled as, as failures, have never been able to follow through on commitments. You know, maybe, maybe it was, you know, not knowing your self-worth from an early age because you had a father who walked out. A lot of times the, the struggles that we walk through aren't our fault. It, you know, and, it, and when, you talk, when we try to rationalize, it just doesn't make sense. So this is why I want to preach to you guys today from the breakthrough to the battle. This is something that God's really been ringing in on my heart of how he moves us from the breakthrough to the battle. So would y'all say that with me real quick? From the breakthrough, from the breakthrough. To, the to the battle. Awesome. Turn to your neighbor. Tell them from the breakthrough to the battle. All right. Turn to your other neighbor. Tell them you're my second choice. Nah, I'm just playing, dude. Don't tell them that. Especially, especially if it's your wife. Definitely don't tell her that. Tell them it's all about from the breakthrough to the battle. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, it, I'll be honest, I did kind of wrestle with how to conceptualize what God has been doing in my heart for about the last three months. And so I have some alternate options for you guys if, if that sermon title doesn't really fit your fancy. Um, we, it can also be called the stream to the struggle. You know, you know get, we're working on our S's there. You know, it can also be called from the water to the wild. Also another popular title. And so what I want you guys to know today is that whatever title, man, whatever resonates with your heart and however God uses today to speak to your heart, that's what I want you guys to focus in on today. So about, about a year and a half ago, uh, my wife and I, we'd saved up some reward points and went on a little vacation. And yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, it was exciting. But it, and, and we had this moment. We got to an evening where uh, we, we pulled up to this beach and, and like, there was nobody on the beach. And the sun was setting and the, the waves were calmly crashing in. And so we actually had like our snorkel stuff in the back. And so we grabbed our snorkel stuff and, and swam out. And, and we were about probably 200 yards out. And, and we get out there. And, and I'm not going to lie. As a husband, I was kind of stroking my ego a little bit, you know. And i tell you what. Whew, I'm the main, you know, I planned all this, got the sunset, I even dove down and got like a sand dollar off like the sea floor and I bring it up and we're looking at it and and then and then when I just think that it can't get any better than this right now, I look and, and right over my wife's shoulder, probably from like me to probably like the third row, I see this fin come out of the water. I'm like, look, baby, it's a dolphin. Look, look. And then all of a sudden it dawns on me. That ain't a dolphin. <laughs> This is shark right now, and both of us kind of like make eye contact with each other, and we just start hauling to get to shore. Like we don't scream shark. Like no, we just start swimming as fast as we can. And I'm not gonna lie, your boy was hauling here. Like if Michael Phelps was in the water, I probably would have given him a run for his money. I mean, we were we were flying, and the only thing that I'm thinking is like, all right, just stay ahead of your wife so that the shark gets her leg and not mine. <laughs> I'm just playing. We, we, we got back to shore. All limbs intact, thankfully. And, and we were kind of talking to some of the locals about our near-death experience that we just experienced. And, uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, that, that, that's like a friendly, uh, just a uh, reef shark. You know, it's kind of just curious about what you guys were doing um, out there in the water. I'm like, no. I've seen Shark Week. I've seen what happens. I, I know how this story ends. 
And, and so, like, putting this shark, you know, of, of, of giving me a little bit of warning. And I go, I'm out here living my best life. I'm out here, you know, living it up. And then the next moment, there's this shark. You know, couldn't you have given me a little bit of time? A little bit of time to kind of, like, plan of, oh, hey, maybe we should head back to our shore about now. You know, maybe, maybe we're a little bit out too far. Maybe, you know, we should have known that at dusk it's feeding time for the sharks, and so it's not a good time to be in the water at that time. And, but instead, no, we go straight from living our best life to there's a shark in the water, and we gotta, we got to get out right now. And, and see, the tension is in the transition. See, the, the tension is always in how quickly we move from one season to the next. A lot of times I'm like, man, God, could I just have a little bit more time? A little bit more time to to really figure this out, to figure out what I'm going to do. But that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. And so that's my first point for y'all is that the tension is in the transition. So what will happen to us as Christians is we'll read chapter 3. We'll read Joshua chapter 3. And, you know, because it's a part of our annual reading Bible plan, you know, that we never miss a day. And we're always just so attuned on. But we never go past, you know, just what, what it actually says. And we only read chapter 3. And so what happens is we take a little bit of a intermission. We take a little bit of a commercial break. We go and get some popcorn. We go and get, you know, a nice Dr. Pepper. You know, those M&Ms that we smuggled into the movie theater. Now we sprinkle them into the popcorn. They don't even act like you don't know what I'm talking about. I know, I know some of y'all. And, and what happens is we miss the connection because we took a little intermission. And so the story is, is that the story ain't over in Joshua 3. No, there's still more to be told. He's got to go take this city now. Joshua actually has to go and take Jericho. And so there's a tension now of the transition of moving from the breakthrough through the water to the battle that now lays before him. See, one moment he's like, this is so legit right now. I tell you what, man, I'm, I'm walking through the water. This is just like the Red Sea moment. This is amazing. The next moment he's like, oh, shoot. Words that I always said before I knew Jesus. You know, one moment he's in total comfort, the next moment he's in total conflict. One moment he's in total certainty of, of who God has said he is and where what his purpose is, the next moment he's in complete insecurity and he's questioning probably everything of God. What have you done to bring me through here? One moment he's in the breakthrough, the next moment he's in the battle. And so so many times they're right next to each other. Has anyone ever been there? Anyone ever been here this morning? Uh, you get promoted at work only to find out that your new job is actually a lot more, a lot more work, a lot more demanding than what you thought it was going to be. You, you go and get that, that cute, cuddly puppy that you've been, you know, just been eyeing. You know, you've been, you've been watching him since he was born. And as he gets older, now it's your day to go, in, to go and get him. And so you just like pick him up and just nuzzle your face right in his fur. And then the next moment, he's taking a dookie on your carpet, and you're the one cleaning it up. <laughs> I'm just telling y'all that there's a tension in the transition. We love the breakthrough, but we're like, God, really? The battle so soon? Like, already? Like, couldn't I, could I have had, like, just one more week? Just one more season? Just one more year kind of in this moment before I was thrust into battle? But let me just tell you, I'm just, I'm just going to throw it out there real quick, that I don't think it's by any coincidence that the same river that, uh, that, that Joshua led the Israelites across, in, across the Jordan River into the Promised Land 
It's the same river that Jesus was baptized that kickstarted his earthly ministry. You know, before Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, he, he didn't do any miracles. He didn't spit in the mud, you know, and slap it on the guy's face and tell him, you can see now. He didn't uh, command the lame to get up and walk. He, he didn't do any of that until he had actually been baptized. And so I'm, I'm just going to take a little, little intermission here real quick, a little commercial break, of that baptism, I think, is a big deal. That baptism is, a, is an outward reflection of the inward transformation that God has done in our life. And so while some of you guys may be looking for, hey, what is that breakthrough? You know, I, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for that breakthrough moment. I'm just telling you guys that if you believe and have professed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he went to the cross, defeated sin and death, and now one day we will be walking on, on streets of gold, that you'll be spending eternity with our eternal Father because of what Jesus Christ did, but we haven't taken that step to be baptized, I'm just telling you that next breakthrough may be right in front of you. It's as easy as that. It's not something that's complicated. It's taking that next step of obedience of what God may be calling us to do. And so I just want to let you guys know that we're going to be doing baptism baptism later in the fall. If you guys haven't taken that step, we would love, love to talk with you more about that because I just believe that man, whenever we take that step of obedience, God begins to unleash the breakthrough in our lives. And so, um, you know, that was just a little, little commercial break. So back to our future presentation now. All right, Joshua 5 says, now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, and a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for the chiefs or for the cowboys? <laughs> nah, I'm just playing. Can you keep that? That was in the Bible. Uh, no, no, no. He, he said, Are you for us or for our enemies? He said, The man said, No, rather indeed I now come as the captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain, the Lord of the host, said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for where you stand is holy. Now, if you're like me, you're probably wondering, but, but what, what about Jericho, though? Like, what about Jericho? And, and I'm just going to put myself in Joshua's shoes here, that there's probably a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of tension that Joshua was experiencing because Jericho knew that the Israelites were coming. And so Joshua, I'm oh, sorry, Jericho is probably sending out spies you know, potentially even looking to kill Joshua. I mean, he's the leader. And so when, ja when Joshua sees this man walk up with a sword drawn, I'm just going to be real with y'all. I'd probably be a little, little scared, but a little, little tentative. You know, like when you walk out of a scary movie and you kind of give yourself like a six-foot buffer every time you round a corner so that no one can jump out at you. And then like your friend says, hey, what's going on? You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa where did you come from? I, I don't even know why I went to come through there. Uh, I haven't... I've never done martial arts class in my life. But uh, I'm sure I would be prepared. And, and so Joshua is, is in this moment of tension. But, but what happens here is, is if we look at what God says to Joshua, he doesn't promise him easy. He doesn't promise him, oh, don't, don't worry about Jericho. Man, man it's all going to be good. You know, don't worry about the giants that are in that land. Don't worry about them. You know, don't worry about that, that girl that always gives you that judgmental stare because of your past. You know, don't, don't worry about that guy who always tells you that you'll never be good enough. No, what, what, is, what does God say? He says, take off your sandals, remove your sandals. Look where you're standing. You're standing on holy ground. Let's just break this down real quick of what 
What does God then say to Joshua then in verse 2? He says that I have given Jericho into your hands. And then we know from Scripture that, that sure enough that, uh, that God did give Jericho into the Israelites, into the hands of the Israelites, by miraculously uh, causing the walls of Jericho to come tumbling down after the Israelites go and walk around the city for seven days. And, and the truth is, is that that's a lot of times what our life looks like, is that we have to recognize of where we're going, of what we're doing. And sometimes we just have to look down and recognize, man, we're standing on holy ground. And because we're standing on holy ground, that means that we already have the victory. Some of y'all may need to know that right now, that whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're fighting through, whatever you're working through right now, that God has already given you the victory now. See, my second point is that we can't reject what God has already given to us. When Jesus went to the cross 2,000 years ago and he defeated sin and death, that no longer are we fighting as, as slaves and servants, but instead we're fighting as sons and daughters. And so some of y'all may be singing in the car, you know, I, I am a child of God. But within the moment we look at our phone and uh, our smartphone, which is actually just making us dumber, just a little side note there, that... <laughs> We see that picture that we just thought deserved a couple more comments, a couple more likes. You know, and then we look at somebody else's photo, and their life looks all put together. And it just seems like they have a perfect plan for their life, and they're right on track with where they're going. And they got that, that perfect filter that, that there's no, uh, no blemishes on it. They got that nice Claritin filter, and everything just seems to be going smoothly for them. That all of a sudden we begin to question, am I really still a child guy? We, we forget who we are. I know who I was last week. You know, I felt empowered by uh, Pastor David's uh, message that he shared here. Man, and I was on fire. And I was ready to step into all that God had for me. But this week, man, I, I, I just don't know if, if, if I can really commit to, you know, finishing framework. I don't really know if, if I want to commit to, to serving and being a part of the amazing dream team here at the house. I don't really know if, if this is my season to, to be a part of a life group. I don't really know if, if, if that calling on my life is to be a life group leader is really there. You know, and we start to question. We start to question what God has done in our lives. And see, the enemy is always going to discourage us. The moment that we step into more, the moment that we step through the breakthrough, you better believe that the enemy is waiting on the other side with the battle. Why? Because if he can't keep us from Jesus, he's going to do everything within his power to distract us, to discourage us from what God wants to do in our lives. So I'm just telling you right now, the moment that you choose, the month that you choose to complete framework and be a part of the dream team, I'm just going to tell you all right now, practically, you will have more struggles that that month most right. likely. Yeah. Why? Because the enemy is trying to prevent you That's from right. what God has in store for you. So let me just tell you that you might need to start declaring this in your life of who you are yeah. in God's eyes. That when the coffee barista asks you, hey, who's this order for? That you don't just say Adam Clousing. No, instead you say, hey, this is a child of God. Well, go ahead, put that on my cup. <laughs> you know that, that you need to go to the, to the bathroom mirror and, and go get you a big fat dry erase marker from Walmart and write on your bathroom mirror that says child of God in big, you know, big block heavenly letters. Because you need to know that when the first thing when you see in the morning is child of God and not your phone screen telling you everything that you're not wow. and everything that you wish you were instead. Why? Because you can say it, 
You can sing it. You can even put it in your Instagram bio. But until you start living it, you're not believing it. And so if you know that you're a child of God, that means that we already know that he's well-pleasing us. And if we know that he's well-pleasing us, then you, you, you don't have to question. And you're probably like, okay, Adam, like, I already know that. Adam, I, I know that. I'm, I, I've done that. I've been there. But let me just tell you, if you knew that, you maybe wouldn't be so quick to fire back at your parents when they when they give you a curfew uh, with the car that they gave you in the first place. You know that that you that you wouldn't be so quick. You know, on a Sunday morning to wake up and. I guess I gotta go to church, you know, and you just been sipping on that haterade all morning. And so you show up in the back, you got that constipated, puckered up face, looking just a mm, mm, bunch of judgmental people in here, I tell you what. So when we know that we're working from grace and not for grace, we become a lot less, how should I say it, salty, uh, bitter, hostile. <laughs> you know, it, it's in the water. That, that we find out who we are. See, Joshua had never won a battle when he set out to lead the Israelites. You know, he would never, he'd never proved himself yet. In fact, we read in Joshua chapter 1 that, you know, that he was probably even a little bit scared. He was really even a little bit concerned of whether or not the Israelites will even follow me. I don't even know if they will. See, but it's in, and a lot of times it's, it's in this place on a Sunday morning that, man, I feel good. You know, I know who God says I am. I know who I am because here in this place, you know, I, I feel good. You know, it's like it's like family. You know, I got my community. I got my life group. I got my people here on a Sunday morning. You know, I, I don't want to talk to any visitors because I, I certainly just want to talk to uh, my group, my people. And so we feel good about where we're at. But the problem is, is that, man, then we step into the water. We step in to where God's calling us to be. And so I'm just going to be real with y'all is that sometimes here on a Sunday morning, this is the place of ease and comfort. This is the place that, that is easy, that's, that's comfortable for us. You know, that, you know, I'm just thinking, man, I, I think I'd rather just, I think I'd rather just stay in here. You know, it's, it's pretty legit right now. I, I love, I love these people. I love this place. You know, I'm confident in my calling, just like Jalen spoke about on the on the internship. You know, my, my purpose is being proven here. You know, I'm I'm sitting in the Jordan River, you know, I'm hitting the backstroke, I'm sitting on my or floating on my giant inflatable flamingo. You know, life is good right now. But when we stay in the breakthrough and never and never enter into what God is calling us into the battle, we relegate the blessing of God to the altar, but never to the streets. I see, and I just don't see anywhere in the Bible where he calls us to a life of ease and comfort. If we look at the life of Jesus as our model, man, where did Jesus go? He, he went to the hard places. He went to the places that none of the religious people even wanted to be seen at. Why? Because they had already been labeled. But that was where Jesus went. See, when we were most recently down in Belize uh, about, about a month ago, uh, we, we did what's called an open-air service. And what this open-air service is, is where we actually leave, leave the church and actually go out to a street corner in one of the villages that we're visiting. And, and uh, this particular street that we went to actually kind of has a reputation for being known as, as a place of violence and crime. And, and so here we are, uh, you know, kind of coming to the end of our, of our service. And, and I'm actually just preaching just a little word 
And there's about 75 to 100 people who kind of congregated there on the street corner, kind of like a block party almost. And, uh, and I began sharing, and, and I looked all over in the, the, the back left corner, and there on the hood of the car, there's about four or five guys who kind of grouped up. And I see this one guy kind of take his, take his hands and bring them up toward his mouth. And I'm like, what, what is he doing over there? I don't know what's going on. And so I look back over there, and I see a little, little flicker of light. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me right now. There ain't no way. Like, here I am preaching a message, and this guy's over here lighting up some Mary Jane. Like, are you kidding me right now? You, you gotta be, you gotta be joking. I mean, I've had some, I've had some harsh crowds in America, but ain't nobody blazing up in the back corner. Like, no, nobody's doing that. But see, the crazy thing was, though, the Holy Spirit was moving in these people's hearts because we had actually taken our faith outside of just the four walls on a Sunday morning, and we actually had an opportunity to go and pray for those five guys that were sitting on the hood of the car by the end of that evening. And let me tell you that man, when we step out of our comfort zone, when we step out of the life of ease and comfort, God begins to do the extraordinary. Things that we never thought that he could ever do. See, God fills us in the stream, but it's always so that we can go to the streets. God fills us, immerses us in the water. He takes us down so that we can now take his word to the wild, to the place that he's calling us to go. I'm just telling you that that temptation doesn't always mean that, that God is disappointed in you or that he's upset with you, that, that, he's, that he's dissatisfied with you, that his love isn't still complete for you, that his grace isn't still somehow sufficient for you. Instead, instead oh, let me just be real with you all that sometimes I, I think that in the struggle, the challenge is actually a mark that we're moving in the right direction. That we're actually going to where, where God has intended for us. But let me just tell you that when you take a stand, when you take a stand, there's going to be a struggle. When you, when you reach out to that coworker that everyone else has rejected, nobody else wants to talk to, and you begin to share your story with them. When you go to that neighbor and, and actually invite them to church, there's going to be a struggle. There's going to be some, some things that you're going to have to fight through. But let me just tell you, it's when we step out of our comfort zone that we receive the blessing from heaven, but it's also at the same time that we receive the stank face from hell. Just in man, the enemy ain't pleased when we step out of our comfort zone. The enemy ain't pleased when we step into battle. But let me just tell you that it's, it's always been God's will that he would take us from the breakthrough to the battle. It was God's system that he would actually move me from my engineering job to being full-time on staff here at the house. That it wasn't just by accident that that happened. And so that's why I believe my, my third point is that the water is where we receive the breakthrough, but it's in the battle that the promise is fulfilled. Yeah, so the reality is that usually right after we're kicking it up, you know, doing a little backstroke in the water, you know, sipping on some Kool-Aid, just talking about how good life is, that that all of a sudden we see what God's calling us into next. And we start looking up at the hill. And we see all that's stacked up against us. You, you can't tell me that there wasn't a moment where Joshua wasn't questioning, man, what have I got myself into right now? What, what am I doing right now? See, that's the scary thing is that if we preach a prosperity gospel from the pulpit, which I'll just be honest, it, that's an easier message to preach. It would be a lot easier to say, man, hey, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus and the promised land is yours. 
the land of milk and honey. Whatever, whatever car you want to drive, whatever house you want to have, it's yours. All you got to do is follow Jesus Christ. It's one small payment of ten ninety five. Let, let, let me tell you, life is life is gonna be good. But the truth is, that ain't reality. The moment that we start following Christ, the moment that we start experiencing that breakthrough, that's the moment that we're going to experience the battle as well. See, the reality is, is that the promised land is actually where you step into the battle, where you actually step into what God has in store for us. The reality is, is that God gave you the breakthrough so that you would be ready for the battle. Yeah, See, if we, look at, if we look at the story of Joshua crossing the Jordan River, once they had crossed, they actually built an altar on the opposite side of the Jordan River. Why? So that then they could always go back to that moment to remember when God was faithful. So they could remember how God proved himself by moving them through the Jordan River. And so even when they were you know, in the promised land and even when you know, generations later on, they could go back to that spot and remember this is where God proved himself. This is where God was faithful. And because God was faithful, I don't have to question my calling. I don't have to question my purpose. That I know that God is doing something. I'm just going to be real with y'all. The moment that we step into the challenge, man, it's going to be a struggle. You know, you already know the Black Panther didn't have any issues until all of a sudden he became king of Wakanda and a jacked up Michael B. Jordan comes at him and says, hey, I'm going to take you down. That before that happened, life was easy. Life was good. But the reality is, man, we step into more, there's going to be challenges. And so imagine, just imagine real quick, what if we began to see the challenge as the mark that we're actually moving in the right direction? Just imagine if we saw the first time that our, our boss, who, who loves Jesus, mind you, who, who actually wants to give us a little bit of constructive criticism, who wants to give us maybe a little bit of positive correction, that it's not actually an attack on you personally, because, because he, he actually is seeing potential in you, and so he actually is speaking to where, where he believes that you can go, and so we actually began to see it as we're moving forward. We saw the challenge as the mark that we're moving forward, and that we're gaining ground, and we're gaining territory. My football coach always used to say, Adam, the moment that I stop correcting you is the moment I've given up hope on See, conversely, if, if we're just floating from cloud to cloud, yeah. just love and life, and the biggest issue that we're going to have to face each day is which pair of Jordan should I wear, or which pair of designer skinny jeans I'm going to wear, then that may be that may be the proof of a of a life that's become maybe just a little bit a little bit stagnant. And so I, I'm going to read uh, just a passage of scripture here real quick, the Philippians one. Ben, you guys can come on up, and it says. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, this is this is Paul here speaking. He says, I will I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by our, by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, and that you will be saved by God Himself. For you've been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ but also the privilege of suffering for him. Think about that last part just for a second here real quick. What if we began to think of suffering for Christ actually as a privilege, of we have the opportunity to suffer alongside with Christ? You know, the funny thing is about, about this message is that, you know, I always have to preach to myself before I can ever preach to the public. Yeah. And, and it'd just be a lot easier yeah. message if, 
You know, if the king of Jericho was waiting for Joshua on the other side of the Jordan River and said, hey, Josh, buddy, man, I've been waiting for you, for you for a long time. You know, man, I heard that y'all were wandering through the wilderness for 40 years. Man, I heard that y'all ain't eating nothing but manna. Hey, hey, let, let me tell you what. I just cooked up some fresh steaks for y'all. I got a fresh batch of sweet tea straight out of the refrigerator for you. Man, let, oh, oh, did you want an Arnold Palmer? Hey, I guess you covered there too. Man, you know what? Here's the keys to the city. You know, you know I just got one of those, those super nice uh, Tempur-Pedic, uh, you know, uh, memory foam, sleep number mattresses. You know what? I'm sure you guys be tired, man. You guys came a long way. You know what? Just go knock yourself out in my palace tonight. The place is all yours. Let me tell you, that'd be a lot easier message to preach. Uh, that'd be a lot easier. But the truth is, is that's, that's not actually the way that it works. See, the moment of breakthrough is always succeeded by the battle in front of us. This is why you got to recognize the stakes. We have to develop an awareness of, of what God is doing in our life and where we're at in the battle. See, last year in game one of the NBA Finals, yes, I, I'm going there for all the NBA fans here and everyone else, I, I apologize. But game one of the NBA Finals, there was this moment where the Cleveland Cavaliers, against all odds, had actually tied the game against the heavily favored Golden State Warriors. And so with four seconds left, they actually had an opportunity to make a free throw and potentially win the game. So what happens, the free throw goes up and clanks off the front of the rim. But against all odds, this, this guy, this guard by the name of J.R. Smith, snatches the rebound away from Golden State Warriors. And so he has an opportunity to go up with a shot to win the game for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But instead, what happens, he thinks that they've already won the game. And so he dribbles out to the perimeter, thinking that they've already won, and he's just going to dribble out the clock. And so they get, they get to this moment where he dribbles out the clock, and, and he comes eye-to-eye -eye contact with LeBron James. You can put that photo up there. It's this memorable moment. LeBron James is looking at him. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? We just blew our best chance to win the game. And sure enough, sure enough, the Cavaliers went on to lose the game in overtime. And really, they got swept in the series, and it really wasn't even a close series because their morale was defeated. Ultimately, the pivotal moment was defined by a lack of awareness of not knowing the score of the game, not knowing the situation, not knowing the circumstances. So I just, I, I really believe and I know that one of the toughest things that we have to do as believers, as followers of Christ, is we got to recognize where we're at in our own battle. We gotta recognize where we're at in our life. We gotta develop an awareness to where God is leading us. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.